you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. It's yeah. hard because I remember just, um, so I, after that happened, I gave it a try because she was genuinely apologetic. And I just remember just thinking like, I don't know if I could be with somebody where I have to second guess every single motive and it was just so exhausting it was very 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 difficult and having that conversation with her where eventually you know I just told her like this isn't going to work out in five four three two one what's up everybody welcome to another episode of the genius brain podcast we are back in the studio with studio 71 and we have a reoccurring guest here Liz Wee therapist extraordinaire and on this podcast i talk about therapy a lot i've been th- i've been going to therapy for a very long time right um and i think that uh because so, i one of the sponsors of this podcast is uh is better help and i always get like a couple of comments where they go do you actually take therapy i say, oh yeah <laughs> i for sure have been taking therapy for a very long time and i think uh it started when i was really younger because it started with a lot of uh counseling first and from counseling to anger management and from that to therapy mm-hmm. so when i was a kid i used to get you know i had anger issues because this is how you solve a lot of our problems and then as i got older i didn't know how to figure out why i was so mad all the damn time and then from the counselor to anger manager, like, have you tried therapy? I was like, well, I thought this was fucking therapy. <laughs> like, no, this isn't therapy. So I, I, I went to therapy and then that kind of helped me f- um, fix my relationship with my dad a lot because it taught me a lot of like empathy, which mm-hmm. I don't think I had a lot when I was younger because when you're young, you're kind of thinking 
especially from like, I think from a parent to kid perspective, it's always, oh, you don't, you don't care about how I feel. And then they, you know, the therapist kind of put it in the perspective of, have you ever thought about how your dad felt? And I was like, it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> you know, like, how do I feel? But that kind of, kind of took the, uh, was the start of me going to therapy pretty regularly or whenever I needed just to have it in my back pocket. So, you know, having you on, I, I think a lot of people really did resonate with, no, just trying therapy out. And I think that's like the the, the hardest like first step, um, whether it's because of fear of them finding out things that they don't want to be affirmed or reaffirmed, or if they just don't believe in the process, right? And uh, I, I understand, I think it's a very scary thing, right? I think being introspective scares a lot of people, right? Yeah, and you also don't know what you're gonna impact. It's kind of scary. 100%, yeah. talk a little closer to the mic, so get a little yeah. closer, there we go, even closer than that. And I think, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people found me and it was their first time going to therapy. So that was really exciting. Mm -hmm. They never thought that they should or they thought about it, but, you know, they weren't sure. Uh, but I think after watching you and, and me, they felt like, OK, yeah, this is maybe something I should try. Yeah. And, I, you know, for a lot of young Asian Americans, too, I, I just don't think that therapy is something um, – people tend to put in the forefront of what they need in their lives, right? So there's physical health, there's there's money, financial stability, but mental health is always right here yeah. because they're in, I, I feel like for a lot of people, they think, oh, if, well, if this stuff here is fixed, I'll, I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for a lot of people, especially even the friends around me or even people who are close to me, after they gain a certain level of success, the, you know, the feelings stay the same. You know, everything is just a quick Band-Aid. Mm -hmm. um, when we had a lot of time to ourselves, specifically during pandemic, and I've said this multiple times, I know a lot of people that were losing their damn minds only because all the distractions that they had before, they weren't there anymore. Going out to drink and hanging out with their friends and then they were just in this room just stuck with their thoughts. The all whole, their coping skills gone. Yeah, <laughs> everything is gone. And I just remember I saw a lot of my friends kind of just fall apart at the seams. Mm -hmm. And... The good thing about that is that they started going to therapy. They're like, oh, maybe I should try this whole therapy thing out. Yeah. And it was just a safe space. Like one of my friends said it the best is like, I tell things to my therapist that I don't even tell my wife, my brother, my sisters, or even my parents. Mm -hmm. I just feel like I can't. Mm -hmm. even, if they, if, even if they would be accepting, which I feel like they would, she says like, I can't do it. I don't know why, but to my therapist, I'll say whatever. <laughs> I'll be able to process these thoughts. And it's a really fun, safe space. Right. Right. So today, um, we wanted to go over the topic of, well, there's a couple of topics, right? Um, specifically, I, um, you know, Liz brought this up, but let's talk about toxic and abusive relationships, right? Which I feel that um, a lot of people either have been through one, but the idea of recognizing it mm -hmm. and then healing from it are two different things that, you know, people just don't really address, right? And I think that it's hard to figure out when you're in a toxic relationship, especially when you're in the thick of it. Yeah. You know? So for you, um, what is like something that you feel is, or you know, what is a sign of a toxic relationship? Because I feel like that's really hard to define for me. You know, people will ask us on the podcast, like I'm in a toxic relationship. Like, I don't, I don't know how to define that, mm -hmm. you know, because everybody's definition of what that is, you know, tends to vary, you know? Yeah. So. Talk closer to the mic. Okay. So I would say, there are many different signs that you can look out for. But the first thing, um, I think, pay attention to how you feel in the relationship, how they make you feel. So if you feel insecure in the relationship, I'm not talking about 
your self-esteem. It's more about, um, I, do you know their true intention of, you know, about you or of the relationship? Um, do you feel like they can just disappear <laughs> tomorrow? Um, or maybe they ghost you sometimes and they come back and, you know, you feel like, okay, well, where is this going? I, I have no idea. Um, so that probably is a really bad sign, right? Um, because you can't quite attach to them. So you feel insecure, insecurely attached in the relationship. So I'll pay attention to that. Um, and I think it's really more about how, how do you feel when you're with someone, right? Do they make you feel good? You know, they, um, are they positive around you? You know, they lift you up or do they put you down? You know, um, maybe there's some disrespect too. Um, I think disrespect can come in many different ways, but yeah. So, so have you ever like had clientele where like the relationship from what you've heard from these stories, right? where it seems very toxic, would you, do you have to address it at the point or do you let them kind of come to that conclusion themselves? Only because like, you know, when you have conversations with friends, I feel like sometimes we're like, hey, I don't think this person is good for you. But if you say something, you kind of feel like they feel that you are against them. It always makes me feel awkward, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really delicate balance because we always want clients to find their own truth. Um, and we all have that innate power to do that. We have uh, our inner intelligence that would, if we trust it, it will tell us, right? Um, so I think I generally try to really guide clients to kind of go there. Um, but sometimes I do see really abusive relationship um, and I, I'll call them out sometimes, the abuser in the relationship. Hey, that sounds very abusive, things like that. And in that moment, the partners feel validated, right? Oh, I thought this was really bad, but, you know, my partner has been gaslighting me this whole time, so I didn't <laughs> think it was abusive, you know, because he kept telling me I was just being sensitive. You know, so they start thinking, right? Oh, okay, maybe this is something I need to really start thinking about. So they do their own research, and um, maybe they'll come back and start talking about it a little bit more, you know? So... I think that's how they start finding their own voice and learn, you know, what's healthy for them and what's not healthy instead of kind of being told what the truth is by their mm. abusive partner. Mm. I think, you know, when, you know, just being around other couples who, you know, during pandemic, they tend, they, a lot of them split. <laughs> um, I don't know whether it's because they never had to spend this much time with their significant other in such a close space, but they were finding out a lot of things that they either like or disliked about them, right? I, I wonder, I wonder, I mean, for me, I think I'm very different. So when I tend to be in bad situations, whether it's a friendship or, you know, a personal relationship or anything else, um, maybe it's because this is how my parents are or my, my mom and dad are like, they're very like cutthroat straight to the point. So if things aren't feeling good, it's addressed, right? Mm -hmm. um, how do people get into this situation where they're in this bad relationship 
but they somehow rationalize it as if it's something that's very, very healthy. Because everybody can see certain things from the outside that's objectively really bad, right? right? So in my mind, it always boggles my mind. Like yeah. I can't figure out, it's like, how did you get here to this point and why, you know? Yeah, uh, that's a really difficult thing to understand. Um, but a lot of times partners who end up with very abusive or toxic partners, they had maybe um, their attachment figures in, from their ch childhood who behaved in a similar way, right? So mm. if you were abused as a child, you know, verbal abuse was a thing just thrown out all the time or emotional abuse or um, even your, maybe your dad cheated on your mom all the time. So that's kind of like normalized, right? So that's what love means to you. So you don't maybe think it's too bad, mm. right? Mm. So um, there's that. And then another thing is cognitive dissonance, where, where um, you want to believe certain thing and you see something else, but you're rationalizing it because you want to see this, mm. right? So you want to be in a relationship. You experience that, oh, yeah, I want to be in a happy, respectful, you know, healthy relationship. My partner behaves this way, but I want to be here. So I make you know, excuses for them, not consciously, subconsciously, so that I can still be here, mm, right? Mm, mm, mm. And it happens almost like kind of a survival skill, right? Um, I want to be with someone who I love and I want to keep that. So kind of your brain kind of does it kind of naturally. Mm. So um, you have to start noticing that, right? When, when, when you... I, I get a lot of questions asking about like how to address this with people, like partners, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I always have, I always struggle with this because I don't know how to tell people how to do it because I don't suggest people do it the way that I do it mm -hmm. because I'm a little, I'm very straightforward, right? Um, and not everybody has that. And I always tell people like I have social anxiety, like it's pretty fucking crazy, but I kind of developed this practice of like just telling myself, you're not gonna die, just do it. You're not gonna die, just do it. So. The, the end result is always that I do end up doing it and nothing happens. So it just kind of reaffirms the fact that you could do it again and again and again. Mm. And um, I, I'll give people examples of, okay, like I had to confront this person. They're like, I wish I could do it as easy as you. I'm like, it's not easy. It's it's hard. It's It makes my skin crawl. You make it extremely easy. <laughs> like easy. Yeah. It, it just makes my skin crawl. Even now when I do stand-up, um, I go on stage. Before I go, it feels like I'm going to die. It. Till this day, I've been doing it since I was like 16 years old. It feels like I'm going to die <laughs> every time. My palms are sweaty and my friends have witnessed this and they've seen me do stand-up for years. And they go, dude, since the first time I've seen you do since you were 16 till now, you look like you're going to throw up. <laughs> and like, no matter what the stage, how many people come out, like you look a wreck. I'm like, cause I just, I feel the same emotions every time because of the anxiety that mm -hmm. I get. And it just, it, it, like all these thoughts start to eat me up. So when people, have to address this with their partner, right? In, in, a, in a more interpersonal space rather than just stand up. Like what would, what would be a, uh, a method that you could suggest to people who have trouble confronting people? Like what is a way that they can do it? So, I mean, I think when you were thinking about confronting your partner, you're already sensing, Hey, this is not right for me, right? Something's not working. This is not healthy. So that, means to me that you already thought about what your boundaries are, what the healthy relationship looks like to you, and um, you're not seeing that, or there are some things that 
kind of goes against it. So you want to bring that up to your partner. So if you talk about you, this is who I am, this is what I need, this, these are my boundaries, it lands a lot better to the partner rather than, you know, I don't know, people Google a lot, you know, or you watch YouTube and they say, oh, I, I read all these, you know, all these things and it feels like an attack rather than engaging engaging your partner mm -hmm. in a conversation. So um, it might look like, hey, um, I really feel uncomfortable when you raise your voice when we get into an argument. Can we try not to do that? Right. So you're using kind of like we language and you're talking about your feelings rather than you always yell, you know, you mm -hmm. go crazy whenever we argue, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Even if it feels very unhealthy, we can't still un address it in an unhealthy manner. We have to still do it in a healthy manner. I feel that's really hard, like when you're very emotional in the situation, yeah. to kind of bring it back down to earth and then have like a civil discussion because if things are already boiling over, it's, it's very hard. And I found this when I was younger too. It was hard for me to be the bigger person. Like sometimes yeah. in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, I know that if I say this, this conversation is going to get really bad, but I'm going to say it, you know? And that's like the most difficult part because, you know, what's that, what's that class of saying? Like hurt people hurt people. So you hurt me. I want to make sure you feel the same way I feel, you know? Yeah, right. So, yeah, usually what I recommend to my clients is that take a time out, you know, um, cool down at least for 20 minutes, go for a walk, talk to your friend, whatever you need to do to not be in that space because if you're that in that activated space you're going to just react react and keep escalating right so um, take a break and when you feel calmer you can address it calmly hey this is what I need from you um, next time when you get really upset maybe we both need to take time out and then we'll re-engage later when you're ready you know so that's you kind of setting your boundaries hey this is not okay and this is what I need from you, right? So if we uh, approach that in that way, even if your partner um, is being abusive to you, um, you're addressing it in the right way, right? Is it going to be accepted or received very well? Um, maybe not. <laughs> if, you're, if you're with an abusive partner, yeah. it's very much likely that you're going to be guestlit. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the signs that you should look out for as well. Um, so if this partner were to say, hey, you, um, I, I really don't feel comfortable when you raise your voice. Can you blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden they go, well, you make me that way. <laughs> mm, mm, <laughs> right? That's it's a very because classic of you. response. Yeah. <laughs> it's because of you because you may drive me crazy. Mm -hmm. Right? Or um, you always do that too, you know, not taking responsibility. Um, or when? I never do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go crazy. Like, oh, my God, I should have recorded this conversation. You know, mm -hmm. they always say they never did that or whatnot, right? So, yeah, it's difficult. It doesn't really mean that anything going anything is going to change, even if you address it, if you are with a you know, toxic or abusive partner. Yeah. So what if you, like, set that boundary and it doesn't work? What is What is the next step? Because I feel like, for me, it was just pretty much like, all right, we're breaking up, <laughs> you know, because it was pretty straightforward. Like, for example, um, I was with somebody uh, prior to my wife who I, I had a short temper, right? But the one thing that I would ask for, it's like, 
if I get really mad, I need you to not touch me and I need you to go away. Mm. So I just, I got to breathe, right? I need space. I need space. Mm -hmm. And this girl would always be like, no, like I'll, I can help you. I'm like, you, you can help me by getting away, right? Because yeah. right now nothing is good. Like something bad happened earlier in the day and then you came here, you came at me, you started chewing me out and now I'm just about to explode. And she goes, no, I'll give you a hug. And I'm like, I need you not to touch me. And then she would hug me and it would make me even more angry. And then it would get into an argument of like, well, why are you mad at me when I'm trying to help? I'm like, but you're not helping me though, you know? And I think that was for me, I was like, oh, you just want to do things the way you want to do things. Right. <laughs> you know, even if it's not beneficial to me. Right. So I think that was like, how do I, like, what would be the next step after that? I mean, that's really dangerous, right? When someone's assuming that I know better than you mm -hmm. what you need, right? Yeah. I'm not in your body, but I, I know better than you. So I'm going to do what I think is right. So, yeah, that is a bad sign. Um, I usually recommend, um, even for myself, I think I try to set healthy boundaries several times and then see what kind of response I get, right? If I get very, I mean, welcoming <laughs> response, hey, I didn't know. That's how I made you feel. I'm, I'm really sorry that I made you feel that way. Thank you for sharing that with me. Um, let's work on it together. Thanks for, you know, calling that in or something like that. That's a good response, right? So that means you have a partner who's ready to work with you and acknowledging, yeah, I make mistakes, I have faults, and so do you, but we can work on it and get better together, right? Start building a healthy relationship. But if you get constantly the gaslighting or resistance, right? No, that's not what you need, right? Um, no, I never do that. No, it's, it's you, or you're crazy, you're too sensitive, over and over and over again. Then you have to really start thinking about, is this what I want? Right. Mm -hmm. If I keep staying in this relationship and keep getting same response, then I'm doing this to myself. Right. So um, my, um, I guess, um, suggestion would be try to really figure out, you know, that issue. Is that a deal breaker? Is a really important part of the relationship? You know, I need to feel validated by my partner or I need to have healthy style of communication, that's like number one thing, but I can't have that with my partner, then maybe you need to, you know, um, stay true to yourself and go find it somewhere else because you're not going to get it here, right? Do you, do you feel that uh, a lot of people sometimes they choose to stay in relationships that aren't great for them because time is a huge factor, whether they feel like they're getting older or I put so much like investment into this human being that it'd be a waste to let it go now. Is that something that you have to deal with a lot? Yeah, I think that plays a big part um, for women, especially because their yeah, biological clock is ticking, mm. stuff like that. But I think bigger factor for me is that people see some changes and they keep expecting they'll see more. So it's not mm -hmm. that you don't see any changes. Usually people will see little tiny increments, right? And so now you have hope, right? Oh, okay, they changed a little bit, so maybe they'll really change one day. Um, so I think that's why they, people stay longer than they should. Mm -hmm. um, I think I read something about jackpot effect or something like that, um, where 
they give you the numbers are very, very close to jackpot. <laughs> so <laughs> you think like, okay, I'm, I'm almost there, right? I won $5. So maybe next time I'll own $1,000 or whatever. So you keep thinking like, okay, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're so close. So yeah, I think it's just you being hopeful and maybe trying to be a nice person, giving them benefit of doubt one more time. I feel a lot of lot of like when I was younger, a lot of my girlfriends would do that with guys. Like it almost felt like there were these guys who were projects, right? So mm -hmm. it would it would be along the lines of, "You don't know him like I do." That was like the classic phrase I would always <laughs> hear. Right? It's like I think I know him better than you do, <laughs> yeah. you know, because you see this side that he puts out to you because he wants you to love him. I see everything, mm -hmm. you know, from an outside perspective. So, for example, there was this. Um, guy who, well, they got married and they got divorced, right? None of us were surprised. And it was just from this one thing where um, we were all going um, karaoke and then we were hanging out, having a few drinks and he got drunk. And I remember this, I'll forever remember this because I got really pissed. She was singing with uh, one of our other guy friends um, and they were singing a song together and they both sing really well. Um, as they were singing, he took her aside and he started chewing her out because she was having fun with another guy, right? Mm. But this is a guy, by the way, they've been friends since they were like in kindergarten, mm. you know? And by the way, he's married and his wife is there. <laughs> you know what I mean? They've all known each other for a while. And, you know, having the conversation with her, I was like, hey, uh, this might be a problem because number one, I didn't like the way that he grabbed her because mm. he shouldn't have grabbed her in the first place. Um, and she said the classic response, which was like, listen, like, you know, he was drinking and, you know, I, you know, I, maybe I got a little too close to him. And I'm like, why are you why are you the asshole in this in this situation? And I could never figure it out. And when they when they ended up getting married, I was like, oh, maybe they they figured it out. Lo and behold, they get divorced for the same reasons. He was, you know, abusive, like verbally, more verbally than physically from from what she told me after a few years after they got divorced, like he would. Um, anytime she would have fun without him, mm -hmm. it was like, why are you having fun when I should be like the source, like the, the center of your wow. world? Like you're having more fun with other people than you are with me. How come you don't laugh yeah. with me like you do with, you know, whether it's a guy or a girl? Because originally I thought it was just for guys, right? But it was any interpersonal mm. relationship outside of him. I'm like, bro, she had a life without you you're you're actually relatively new in mm -hmm. this scene we've known her for well for me at the time it was like five years but you've at the time i mean they had to be together less than a year at that point you know so in my mind i'm thinking how does how does one get to that point where how do people like that get in relationships like how do you do it you know what i mean because in my mind i'm like you're not that good looking <laughs> you're not a great person either so like he's somehow and she's awesome too like she's like one of those girls that everybody wanted to get with because mm -hmm. she was such a cool person mm -hmm. So I'm like, how does she get duped into getting together with this guy to the point of marriage? You know, I've never been able to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And even she doesn't get it. She goes, I don't know what I saw in him. I'm like, I don't know either. <laughs> you yeah. know, there must have been something that was very charming. You know, maybe he love bombed her in the beginning. Um, really, I mean, those are the things that a lot of narcissists do um, make you feel like you're the center of the world, you know, in their world, or um, there's no, no one else but you. They make you feel like um, no one else can love you like that. But mm. they also do all these other things. And so they're not always bad, right? 
because if they're always bad, you won't stay with them. So they have these redeeming qualities, and um, you kind of battle. Okay, well, they do this, and they're great in these ways, and they do all these bad things, but I try to not look at that because I want to stay with this person. Um, but, yeah, I think that person kind of represents a lot of the different things um, that we can call it as, like, unhealthy behavior, right? Um, that expression of jealousy. Jealousy is a normal human feeling, but what we do with it, that kind of um, determines if you're healthy or not, right? Um, if if you can acknowledge it and maybe even joke about it with your p- partner, like, oh, that guy was totally looking at you, you mm-hmm. know? Oh, my wife's hot. Like, you know, something like that, healthy, mm-hmm. right? But if you get all of a sudden very suspicious, you know, um, and you don't talk about it, or maybe you get really accusatory, you know, are you sleeping with someone else? You know, I, I think all, all those girls were like trying to get your number. You must be doing something or something like that, right? That's um, unhealthy way. To so there are express. like a certain healthy amounts of like jealousy. Like when you're, you know, you're attached to somebody, it's okay to feel like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think it, it that we, since we're, you know, all human beings, it, it, it's bound to happen, right? Um, I think other people might find your partner very attractive too, right? So you might feel that, you know, oh, there's an energy. Like, oh, mm. yeah, he likes her. Yeah, yeah, he, he thinks she's cool. And maybe it's the combination of both, like, stay away from her, you know, but also, like, oh, kind of proud, you know? Yeah, because I remember when I was younger too and um, with, you know, when I – had my very first girlfriend. I'm, I'm super young, but just remembering who that person was, where it was like, if she spoke to anybody that wasn't me, it's like, oh, she she likes him way more than me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it would like eat me up as a kid. But you know, obviously, after we broke up, you know, I sobered up. I was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, that's so bad. This is very, very unhealthy. And I, I think for me, what I kind of rationalized too was just that I didn't have a value system for myself. So she was always the person that was out of my reach that I was undeserving of. So it's easy for somebody to go and take her because I'm her charity case, Mm. you know? So that's what it always felt like. And so when we broke up and then, you know, we were off and on for like a year or two. And then we kind of, I'm like, what, 19 years old, 20 years old at that point. I just had a moment where I was like, oh, you, you don't, you don't like yourself enough, <laughs> you know, like you, your definition of your value is based on what, what she thinks of you. So if she is with you, you're worth something. If she likes you, then that means you're a good person. Mm-hmm. But it, when, when, when she was, when she uh, dumped me, I'm like, oh, I'm not, I have no value anymore. So my, and then it started to, I started understanding like, oh, I probably wasn't a very good person to her because of the way that I would be hyper possessive of her, right? Mm-hmm. So I made I would make her probably, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but this is, you know, after we broke up, I realized, oh, maybe I probably made her feel bad with my words whenever she would hang out with somebody else, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, it did kind of get reaffirmed because she did cheat on me, <laughs> but, you know? But, you know, there is like a point of, I don't know why I, I think like this now, but I, I do take a little, I have to take personal responsibility because it makes me feel like I have some type of control in this, right? Mm-hmm. Where I feel like, no, I'm not responsible for her cheating me, but I did create an unhealthy environment for her where she felt that she had to, mm, she needed something from somebody else that she wasn't getting from me, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like from that point on, I was just 
very aware of how I felt, like a little more in tune with my personal emotions, right? Yeah. So it's like, oh, you're you're a little little needy, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. like how come you don't? How come you can't just hang out with your own friends and then find fulfillment in other things outside of this one person? Right. And I think that was like a very sobering moment wow. for me, where I was like, oh, you don't you don't care about yourself, yeah. right? You only care about what she thinks of you, and then now you have value, you know? Yeah, that's really great. You had a great insight into your own behavior, um, realize, oh, I need to work on myself if I don't want to feel that way. Like, I'm, I'm not good, I'm not worthy. That's me, that's not her, it, it's my work. But I think you might be taking a little bit more responsibility than you should. Um, <laughs> her action is her action, no one made her do it, you know? Yeah. Um, if we get to talk about infidelity later, you know, I would, I would talk about that. It, um, in more deeper. We get into that right, right. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, infidelity, that's something that people say a lot. Like, you know, why did you do it? Because um, I wasn't getting sex or because you don't talk to me anymore or I was really stressed at work, something. Right? Mm. There's always a reason, right? And even though sometimes maybe you don't have any intention to justify it, you're just trying to get your partner to understand where you were, feels like that, right? So um, it's really important when you're trying to heal from an infidelity, um, you're taking 100% responsibility. I think that's like the, like if nobody has ever, uh, some people haven't been cheated on, but like being cheated, I just remember it was terrible. Like it was like one of the worst feelings I've ever felt. There was like two of, two of these moments that if I, whenever I act, like if I wanted to feel despair, I could take from these two things, right? It was the first time I ever got dumped as a teenager, mm -hmm. right? And I just remember, I can't, I can't reenact how it felt, but I do remember it feeling like somebody took my heart and it just like fell to the bottom of my stomach. It was just such a specific oh. feeling, right? Wow. And I've never felt that since then, right? And whether it's because I guarded myself from ever wanting to feel it, it, it did. I went from like, okay, lover boy loves too much to like, I don't ever want to love again, <laughs> you know? Like the pendulum will go from here all the way to here, yeah. right? So anything that this person was, I'm going to be the exact opposite. I'm wow. like the, the girl that I'm going to date is going to be nothing like her, look nothing like her, have different interests. <laughs> Turns out I hated this other person because she was a fine person. Like she was fine, you know? Um, and like I think the – it's hard to describe what – like how do you get over that type of stuff? Because for me it was, it, was, it was time and then – I think, like I say, I always try to maybe rationalize, okay, maybe what is my responsibility in this to a certain extent, right? Because I got cheated on twice, mm -hmm. right? The second time I got cheated on was when, um, I don't want to take, like this one, I don't feel like I take too much responsibility. <laughs> it's just more of the fact that it was because of my job and my career. Like I was always gone, you know, 24-7. And I think what she wanted out of a partner was somebody who was more, who kind of made her feel wanted, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But in my mind, I think because of that past relationship, I was like, I don't want to be too needy, <laughs> you know? So that made her feel like she wasn't wanted at all. Mm -hmm. And she lashed out in the worst way possible. Mm -hmm. And that was like the weird, I just remember her calling me, telling, telling me what she did. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I didn't do this and it still happened. And I went here and it happened this way too. So it was like this weird, moment of like overcorrection, right? There was a lot of things that were good here, but I only took from the bad things and I tried to overcorrect and I went far over here 
or the person that I would felt like she wasn't important to me at all. Mm. But I was like, oh, you were important. I just didn't want to smother you, you yeah. know? It was just a weird, weird moment, you know? Mm. That's sad. It's Yeah, because you didn't know how to maybe find that balance between the two, right? Um, yeah. I want to be a available and supportive partner who's affectionate and, um, you know, who is not afraid to show it versus I'm guarded. I don't do love. I don't do feelings like, Right. Um, closed, very closed off. There is happy medium. <laughs> that's the s- secure um, style. Right. And I think that's probably where you are now after doing all the work. But yeah, to answer your question, healing from infidelity is extremely hard work and it can happen in different ways. Sometimes you heal on your own. You have to get out of this relationship and um just focus on your own healing. So you heal kind of separately. Sometimes people decide to heal together. Um, So they come to therapy, right? Um, I highly recommend if you have experienced infidelity in your relationship, go find help as soon as you can because it's really difficult thing to um, navigate through. And it's the trust part that I don't understand where um, I don't think I was able to trust that person again. Mm-hmm. Like it just wasn't possible for me. Every time I saw that person, it was like, you lied to me. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's all I can think about. It's yeah. like, you lied. And it wasn't something that you lied to me for because you didn't want to hurt my feelings or white lies or whatever, where there was like a motive behind it. It was like, you did this to make sure that I was going to hurt. And mm-hmm. it was such a weird experience to think about. It's like, how, how could you do that to me? It's all I think about. It's like, how could you, I would never in, in a million years go out of my way to make sure that you would feel pain on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, on, you know, when we argue, whether we fight, things happen, right? When we get highly emotional. But this was almost planned out. That's what it felt like to me anyways. Like you had dinner with me. We had meals together. We, when we visit each other, everything was great. And then during this whole time, two whatever two three months and it was like boom you drop this bomb it's like wait how, how did you look at me how did you say i love you how did you say how did we share a meal together a bed together like how did you do this it makes me feel like you're crazy but are you a psychopath like how did you do this right, to me right. and how like i didn't i could never get over it right and i think everything that you're describing right now that is why healing from infidelity could be really challenging because it's such a traumatic experience your world gets turned upside down, right? The world that you thought it was. My, I have a loving partner who's faithful to me and we have this kind of life and da 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 you know, right? All of a sudden, boom, all gone, right? You have no ground to stand on, right? So now you have to make sense out of everything. So your, your brain's trying to catch on anything, right? Okay, was that real? Was that moment yes. real? Whoa. Like, what about that moment, right? So you start wondering, questioning about everything. Um, so... Yeah, it's just like um, a war veteran maybe coming back from war. You have all ha- have all these PTSD symptoms. It's an infidelity trauma. So you have constant obsession about these facts. You know, is it happen? Is it going to happen again? Um, some people might get really irritable or angry. You know, uh, out of the blue, right? Or or really sad. Um, so you see these kind of really intense emotional response and people feel like, I don't know, I, I, unfortunately, I think the partners who actually, offending partners, sometimes describe their partner like, oh yeah, they are going crazy right now. Like, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because you made them, <laughs> right? You created this, yeah. you know, and they 
you know, if you haven't gone through it, it's so hard to understand. So they even um, guess like their partner saying things like, just get over it. You know, Oof. it happened like three years ago. Um, it's enough time, time to heal. Like you said, you're going to forgive and forget what happened to that. You know, let, let's do that or whatever. Um, yeah, extremely harming. It's yeah, hard because I remember just um, – so I, after that happened, I gave it a try because she was genuinely apologetic. And I just remember just thinking like I don't know if I could be with somebody where I have to second-guess every single motive. And it was just so exhausting. It was very, very, very difficult. And having that conversation with her where eventually you know, I just told her like this – isn't going to work out because it also felt too, and I'm not sure if other people who have, you know, been cheated on were now on, on her side, it was like, I don't feel, I also, this was actually a more, this was actually the bigger factor to why I said this wasn't going to work was because I felt now that she couldn't be honest with me anymore because mm. now she wanted to be the perfect girlfriend uh-huh. where disagreement, we weren't even allowed to have disagreements because she would just be like, you're right. And I'm like, but now I don't know you now. Like, I don't know if you're, now I don't know if you're honest about anything. So right. she was so scared of- Walking an eggshell. Yeah, all the time. And I kind of wanted to move forward from this, but it felt like I was now with a different person. Not even so much the idea of, yeah, there was everything I said before, but I say that was like 20%. The other 80% was, we. there was no more disagreements. She wouldn't really express her thoughts anymore. And it felt like she was trying to say everything perfect because she was so scared of losing me. Mm. And I felt like, oh, I'm not, I'm never going to get to know you now because you're trying so hard to gain my trust, but it's in a way where I'll, I don't even know who you are. Mm-hmm. Right. And I remember I was like in a bad mood or something. I said something that wasn't good. And I apologized. I was like, you know what? Like, I'm sorry. And she goes, no, you know what? It's my fault. I'm like, no, it's not, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm like, oh, but this, then I was like, oh, wait a minute, all our conversations are like this. Even when I'm wrong or if I apologize, mm-hmm. you somehow turn it on you because you feel so guilty for this thing that happened. So we can't even move on from that. So that's why like, I've, I, I know a couple of people who have faced this, but they still stayed together. Uh-huh. And you know, they've asked me too, where uh, people have asked like, okay, if, if Mariel cheated on you, mm-hmm. would you up and just leave her? And I, I think I've said that in the past, if anybody cheats on me, I'm gone. I don't know if that's the case. <laughs> like. Like with her, because I love her so dearly, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know what the life is without her. Mm-hmm. So if she disappears and she's gone, and I've said this too, I was like, by the way, I say, like, listen, if you leave me just to know, just to let you know, I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. Like I'm pretty much done, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I say that in jest, obviously, but the idea of not having that person around is probably even a more scarier thought than being with somebody who cheated on me. Like, which is a weird thing to like say out loud. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, I'd rather be with this person who hurt me than to be alone without this person. I think that's very common. Mm. Yeah, because the person that who hurt you like that is the person who can actually fix it and make you feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, make you feel really loved too. You know, those two people live in the same, the body. same person. Yeah. yeah. So um, it, it's really hard to let go sometimes when people want to leave a relationship um yeah i think when when you experience something like that you have this kind of ideas that you created like oh yeah cheating is cheating means this you know and that's not going to work for me i'll do this if they ever cheat on me if 
most of the times, I think it goes out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everything changes because you, when you're in it, you really know. Um, it's not that easy. It's yeah. very complicated, right? Um, and it is something that you can heal from. It just needs a lot of work. And the uh, betrayed partner has a lot of healing to do. And the offending partner has a lot of, um, they have to carry a lot of, um, uh, I mean, the bigger, much, much bigger uh, load in that um, healing process, especially in the beginning, um, because the betrayed partner, usually they're busy surviving, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're just trying to like, okay, my like life just disappeared right now. And I have to start building everything again. I keep questioning myself. You know, I, I, I trusted my intuition. What's wrong with me? I didn't even know, you know, um, if I didn't catch that, if I didn't feel it, can I really trust myself ever again? There's just so many things, right? Um, so if we have the offending partner who, who is very willing to help, then it's so much easier. But not, we don't get that all the time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that's, yeah, that's a little bit difficult. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so what are some of the steps that you would tell somebody, I guess, like in that couple situation mm -hmm. um, that would help them to get to that healing process, right? Because yeah. obviously my solution was like, I just can't deal with this, <laughs> you know, and I had to move on because it would just mm -hmm. eat me up every day, right? Yeah. I, I couldn't, it felt like I was drowning every day. Like yeah. Being next to this person felt like I was drowning because um, I'm, I'm never present in our relationship. I'm thinking about the past and I'm thinking about what you're going to do to me in the future. Mm -hmm. So the, the the present stuff, which is really important, I was never there. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, man, fuck, I can't believe you did this to me. Yeah. Or what will you do to me in the future? Right. So, yeah, sometimes I think it feels like that and you have to make the choice that's right for you, right? Some some people leave, some people stay, and there's no one right way. Um, but we do things very kind of step by step. Um, when they first come to us, um, we try to figure out um, if the disclosure has happened, um, usually people <laughs> feel bad, so bad to their partner that they cheated. They give them like a little bit of information first. And then again, later, a little bit more, a little bit more. They, their partner keeps asking. So they keep discovering more. Right. And that's so hurtful. Yeah. It's like being re-traumatized re over and over and over again. I'm trying to trust you, but you keep telling me more things. <laughs> yeah. like, you told me that it, oh, it was only once and now, okay, it's three times. And was it really the only one person? You know, so you can't start that way, right? So you have to make the full disclosure um, and be 100% honest. Right? Mm, yeah, because I yeah. think that would kill me <laughs> if I'm like, okay, so it was, you know, two or three times. And then three months later, okay. So a few months before that, I'm like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just tell me up front so we could deal with it. That would that would literally kill me. Do yeah. people do that shit? All the time. Is All it because the they're scared of the repercussions in the beginning? Or like what what's the point of that? Like it's just like reop like reopening a wound constantly. Ugh, yeah. I would die. I would literally die. Yeah. Part of it is their own guilt, mm. you know? And part of it is, oh, I just feel too bad to tell the the whole truth because it's going to hurt them too much, right? So I usually tell them, no, just tell them right now. <laughs> You're going to hurt them so much more if there are other things like trickling down later. Um, so we call it like trickling, you know, disclosure or 
um, staggered disclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want that. Yeah, so that's the number one thing. And then the second thing is what we um, kind of talked about already, really owning your stuff, right? Um, I know this is me. I did this, right? You didn't make me do it. You didn't hold, mm. <laughs> you know, hold, hold gun to my head. <laughs> yeah. I had many different, you know, um, ways to deal with whatever I was dealing with. You weren't having sex with me. I could have gone to therapist. The negative maybe coping skill could have been like using drugs or whatever. You had so many choices, but you chose this. Yeah. So that's on you, right? So um, rather than telling your partner why you did what you did, just own it. Okay, that's me. Mm-hmm. It's not important why I did it, but I did it, right? If you want your partner to understand what happened, what you feel like what led to that, we can talk about it later, but you don't do that right away. In, in the beginning, if you do it, your partner has no patience for that. Because right? it's so, so, so fresh. <laughs> yeah, and they, they feel like, okay, so you're blaming me Mm-mm-mm. for this, right? So it's my fault, right? That's because that's what it sounds like, Yeah. right? Or, oh, so because you felt so um, stressed at work, that's that's what you do? I didn't do that. Why, why do you get to do that, right? Mm. So they don't have capacity to really understand at all, right? So... Um, we have to do that later when you're healed. So, and also, it might be true that your partner was mean to you <laughs> during that time, um, or maybe that did something wrong. Still, we don't talk about it right away. We talk about it, we save it for later, um, because they don't have empathy for you right now. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, but yeah, you're yeah, talking yeah. about me yelling? Are you serious? Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> you know what you did to me? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. No, I'm not going there, right? So it, that doesn't help. So we really try to focus on um, the betrayed partner's hurt first. And then once they're strong enough, they will be able to look at your hurt, you know, have empathy for their partner, right? Um, So that's another thing that's important. Um, And then something else that we already talked about is understanding what really infidelity trauma is. So really treating as like, okay, what PTSD looks like and what I'm seeing is the result of the trauma that I inflicted to my partner. So, and it takes time for them to heal from that, mm-hmm. right? So I don't say things like, just get over it already. <laughs> you know, why are you acting crazy? Because they're going through very traumatic event, right? Yeah. Uh, they're still going through it because they keep being triggered being in the relationship with you, right? Yeah. That's a big trigger every single day. So you should be thankful that they stayed with you, willing to be triggered every day, right? They love you that much to, you know, risk that, right? Yeah, because I feel like if when I'm tracing back to like how I felt, it's like, if I'm remembering it, it kind of felt like that, that other person gets to have their cake and eat it too. It's like, so... You get everything that you want, and then you just explode my world, and I'm like, I'm just supposed to be okay with it? Like, how does this work out, right? Like, you, so whatever wasn't satisfied in your life, you found it in another partner, and then somehow along the lines, like, you got everything, so you got everything you wanted, and then I'm here now left with nothing. Like, you betrayed me. Like, I don't have anything anymore. I have no trust. I don't have the person that I'm with, and then it just feels like this really just dark place. You know what I mean? And like, I, I, that's why I always, I very much empathize with people who get cheated on, right? And if you haven't felt that, it's one of the worst feelings on earth. 
uh, especially when you are committed to a monogamous relationship. That's a it's a really hard commitment, mm-hmm. and I don't think people really understand that, right? And I didn't really get it too until I got married, and I was with somebody with Mary. We've been together for eight years, and I had no idea how hard it was. Yeah, you know that's right. it's such a difficult, difficult thing to work mm-hmm. through because she and I are just from two different worlds, and trying to somehow make this mesh and work together was very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. And um, when she started trying out therapy, um, it helped her out a lot because then she got to understand why she is the way that she is and why and everything else, why I am the way that I am. And I think that also helped out when she actually got to meet my family. Oh. And she goes, oh, you guys, everybody in your family is like this. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, I'm yeah. telling you, like this is how we are. <laughs> so she has a family that's, I think it's very... Um, Stories that I would hear of, of typical Korean families, right? So mm-hmm. when I tell stories about my Korean family, it's not typical at all, right? We're, we're, we're very atypical. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's family politics. I don't have family politics. My mom's even more cutthroat than I am. Mm-hmm. Like she's literally – like when we went to Korea uh, this past uh, spring, I was like, oh, who do I have to visit? She goes, we have Chenami Samchun and that's it. Other than that, they all can go die. <laughs> I was like, what? Why? She goes, they don't call me. So you can only, you only see him. That's it. If they call you, don't talk to them. I'm like, oh, okay. So this is how we work. It's more, oh, there's a certain set of rules that you abide by. And we hash things out um, with her family. Everything is kind of swept under the rug. Little little looks, little a slight comment here and there. You know, a little comment about the way you dress, the way you, I'm like, and I would see these at some of these family functions. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I think this is how a lot of families are. Because I would ask other people and they're like, no, your family's weird, dude. Most family functions are like that. It's actually pretty normal. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that because I don't have a big family like that. So obviously my mom made sure of that. <laughs> so, she, so getting to understand when she came over to my house, she goes, oh, I understand why you why you cook so much. Like, mm-hmm. that's your mom's love language. Like, when I come to the house, it's mm-hmm. always, what do you want to eat? And then she cooks as if she's cooking for 14 people, you know? And then she sits there, she waits for me to take my first bite. And then before I eat it, she goes, Masso? I'm like, how? I didn't eat it. <laughs> you know? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know yet. Like, yeah. let me eat it. And then she'll eat it. She goes, Shingo? Like, <laughs> 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 I'm like, back off. <laughs> you know, let me, but she's waiting for that affirmation. And I do the same thing to her. I'm like, Masso? <laughs> she goes, oh, it's tumcha. I'm like, yeah. all right. Yeah. <laughs> and I go away. I'm like, you don't know anything about food. But right. she started to understand like what, how I reciprocate love and like how it how it functions in my family. And then she goes, oh, I can see why you're hyper affectionate. You know, mm-hmm. why, how you deal with, with certain things, why you like to say things up front. Because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I've seen her and her mom, you know, the, the daughter-mother relationship is something I don't know about, mm-hmm. right? And I've seen it, and I'm like, damn, this is hard to navigate. Because sometimes I'll see how they how, how they solve things. It's like they'll get mad at each other, they'll scream, they'll just hang up, and the next day they're like, "How are you?" <laughs> I'm like, "What do you <laughs> like? What do you mean? Like, I don't I don't understand how this happens." And so for her, like, we we got to know each other a little bit better because we started to see each other's families function. We started empathizing a little more. Mm. It's like, oh, I could see why why this is happening this way is because of some conversation you have with your parents and now you see how my parents are. I think meeting each other's family and really getting to know each other was great. And one of the better things that happened with us was um, the fact that I could speak Korean. And she was actually shocked that I could speak Korean because I guess most like first gen, even second Mm -hmm. gen people can't speak Korean. Mm -hmm. And even when they say they could speak Korean, it's really, really bad. Mm -hmm. Because my, in my... You can host the best backyard barbecue 
when you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Personally, for me, I, my Korean is terrible. But I didn't know this until I started speaking to her family. She goes, actually, your Korean is not that bad compared to other people, which I didn't know. And then I started hearing other people speak Korean in LA. I'm like, oh, your Korean's bad. Like, it's really bad, <laughs> you know? Because my mom can't speak English, mm. you know? And my dad speaks English, but he never does. And then I was partially raised by, by Harmony. So oh. I had to speak Korean. I, I didn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. So I think that helped us out a lot too, because mm -hmm. if I couldn't speak the language, I don't think I would be able to have a relationship with her parents. And if she couldn't speak the language, she wouldn't be able to have a relationship with my mom. And um, I actually just talked about this on an Instagram live where somebody was asking me like, what are some important things? And you know, it was received 50-50 when I talked about how important language is to me. Um, because I've seen it with my cousin who's, whose wife is amazing. She's dope. But her mom, his, my aunt, his mom will never know how amazing she is because they can't talk, oh. which makes me sad, mm -hmm. you know? So they think it's like, oh, do they have to, the, the reason why the language part is important to me is because relationships are important. And I, they'll, even for, for, for them, like my, his younger brother, my other cousin doesn't really know his mom. Like I know his mom, mm -hmm. my aunt, because he doesn't speak the language. Yeah. So there's this miscommunication. So I took it upon myself. So when I was younger, I used to get yelled at all the time, but I couldn't understand Korean like very well, uh -huh. right? And so I would get yelled at and I would look at my brother like, what is she saying to me? <laughs> <laughs> my brother would have to translate. So one day I just remember like, cause me and my parents would fight so much. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna learn how to speak Korean so I could talk back. Cause I don't know what the fuck they're saying to me, you know? And so I started watching a lot of like Korean like Pangso. So I would like watch um do you remember the show X-Men? Mm -hmm. So I would watch X-Men yeah. all the time, like Kango Dong, Yuji Sok, all this other stuff. And I would watch it repeatedly, right? And look at the translations, oh. watch it over and over and over again. And then my Korean eventually got better. <laughs> and then I would go to K-Town a lot. And I found out too, my Korean wasn't even that as good as I thought it was even back then because I only knew how to speak Korean the way that my mom would speak to me, which is she would curse me out. So like, I would, like when I would say something, I didn't know how to use like Chundamara at all. Yeah. Because my mom, like she's from like the Cholado area. So mm -hmm. super sure. So she would just, 
the things that she would say, a lot of people don't use. And I don't know. I don't know that. Mm. Yeah, you know I mean, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I only just recently learned this phrase and what it meant because my mom would call me a chonganansaki. And oh. I'm like, I had no idea what it meant. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> yeah, so I, I asked Mariel's dad. I was yeah. like, what does this mean? And he goes, that means like, you're like the son of a slave. Like, who said that to you? I was like, my mom. <laughs> so I was like, and my yeah, friends never heard it. Direct translation. Yeah. yeah. It is. <laughs> I was like, who said that to you? He's like, my mom says that to me. He starts cracking up. He goes, that's like old, old, like, that's like something North Korean people would say. Yeah. But my mom, that's how she would speak. And mm-hmm. so like, I would always tell people like, if I, if I ever speak fluently in Korean, it's usually I'm cursing somebody out because that's <laughs> all I would hear growing up, right? My mom one time when, now that our relationship is so much better, uh, over, over the break, I would tell her like, you used to say so many bad things to me when I was a kid. And she was like, what? And I would just imitate her. Mm-hmm. And my mom would cry laughing. And she goes, dude, <laughs> I was like, that's pretty bad. I'm like, yeah, it sounds like you, right? So whenever I would uh, like watch these translations, like during this time, like I would watch K-dramas too. And my mom would say all these bad things like, you know, Every fucking word that you could think of. Like she would she would get creative with her stuff. It's like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck? And my I would tell my friends that they're like, I've never heard my mom say these words. I'm like, what is it? Is your mom like a gangpe? Like is she a gangster? <laughs> I'm like, is that really bad? And I would watch these like gangpe movies. I'm like, yeah. that's the shit my mom says to me. And I remember I called my mom, I'm like, why do you talk to me like that? She goes, I'm not crazy. Like, I'm, 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 I had this one voice. Wow, you're, you're Korean. It's very good. <laughs> what is Korean. cursing is really good. <laughs> she used to always say this to me whenever she would get back. She's like, yeah, your mom and dad are in the house. I'm like, you're 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 in the house. <laughs> so she would always like, I would hear that phrase so often. And it, it was so funny. I look back at it, it cracks me the fuck up. Mm-hmm. But I, I I remember I talked to my mom and she said this in a very serious way. She goes, I was like, why did you talk to me like that? She goes, man, my life was hard. She goes, you gotta understand, we were poor, we were broke, had to take care of your grandma, your grandpa, mm-hmm. you know, me and your dad right. because of our finan- how financially uh, tough, in a tough spot we were. She's like, you didn't know how hard it was for us because we never told you these things. Like right. we had to take a loan out on our house to pay for your guys' college. When the economy went to shit, we had to, wow. we had to pull out on the house again. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it was during that time where uh, the economy went to shit. Mm-hmm. And she goes like, we didn't have any money. Like people couldn't buy stuff from us. Like we had to take a loan out on our house. And I was like, that's why it took us so long to pay off this home because we just kept taking money from the house as like appreciative. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I started understanding, I was like, oh, that's why you were so mad all the time. Like things just weren't good. And you know, as a kid, you just go, oh, my parents are just being assholes, they're, they're mean. But they're like, no, we were struggling to pay our bills. We had to work, your father was a pastor who was building a church. He built a couple churches in Sacramento. He was um, a deacon. He was going through his, he was getting his master's in divinity. He was, um, had to run the store six days a week. You had to take care of your grandma who had Alzheimer's. And then, then there was you who just would never do a shit right. <laughs> I was like, so could, she was like, how would you feel? I was like, oh, I, 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 was like, I get oh, it. I get it. So I was like, I understand, you know? She goes like, yeah, you weren't the best kid. Like you got into fights constantly. Every time I had to see you, it was because you were sent to the office because you punched somebody, stabbed somebody, you did something. And she was like, mm. I, my life was falling apart. That's so great that you guys were able to talk about it like that. Yeah, I mean, it. it I, I, I always, 
people ask about my relationship with my mom a lot. And they're like, how did you end up doing that? I was like, I had to just learn how to be a better son where I had to figure out what she needed. And all she needed was for me to talk to her. And I never did. Mm -hmm. So, because every time she called me, I thought she was going to yell at me because I was so used Mm -hmm. to that. So one day, and people heard the story a million times, but if you're new, you'll love the story. I was in this in my Camry and my radio broke or some shit. Either way, I couldn't listen to music what I could normally do. So I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm going to call my mom. So every Friday I'm supposed to call her and just talk to her just to let her know how I'm doing. But mm-hmm. I would talk to her how any child would not want to talk to her parents. So I'm like, whatever, just same thing. You know, okay, bye, hang on. But I would never call on Friday. And she would, those voicemails would come in. Uh-huh. <laughs> so she would say shit like that. I would pick up and I'm like, and then she just goes off, right? So one day I call her and then it was like a Tuesday or something. It was some other week that wasn't a Friday. And you know, she's being sarcastic. She goes, oh, the king has finally decided to call his mom. Why are you calling me? And I had to go somewhere that was a little far. So we just talked on the phone for like an hour or something and hung up. And the next day my dad calls, he goes, what did you, what did you say to your mom? I'm like, well, I didn't say anything. We just talked on the phone. She goes, she's like in the best mood. Like she's like mm-hmm. so happy. And I was like, oh my God, I just had to call her. She just wanted to talk. I had no idea because mm-hmm. I was so scared she was going to yell at me. Yeah. But all she wanted to do was just talk to her son. And after that, now we talk on the phone probably almost every day. Whenever I'm in the car, I the first person, I don't listen to music, podcast, nothing. I call my mom first. And then we just talk about whatever um, because I know it makes her happy. Mm-hmm. And that's all that she wanted. She just wanted to talk to her son as an adult now because I'm not a little kid anymore. Yeah. And that's when I got to know all these weird things about her. Why, why she did this. Why my dad is the way that he is because my dad and I don't talk. So being able to talk to my mom actually helped my relationship with my dad too. Because mm. she would tell me, it's like, your dad is like this because of this. Let me tell you what your dad went through. And then she would tell me about his past trauma, which was nuts, by the way. Mm. He would never tell me these things. Right. I would never fucking know. Like, there's no way because in his mind, it's my parents and I got to know, this is the last fight that we ever had. And it was, it was so bad to the point where we were screaming at each other. And he said something very poignant. He goes, my, your grandma, your grandpa, my my mom, my dad never spoke to me the way that you're asking me to talk to you. So you're asking me to do something that's impossible for me. I can only communicate to you the way that I can. And I'm a better version of my parents. So how come you can't understand? I was like, oh, shit, I don't understand these things. So when we talked about that, I was like, oh, I'm not empathetic of him. Mm. So he's just doing the best that he can. He mm. goes, if you want to talk about your feelings, go talk to your mom about that stuff. Because I can't do it. He goes, I don't know how to. You know, I only know how to be a leader. So mm-hmm. do this because this is the best for you. Do this because of that. And so now that I understand that, I go, okay, this is this is him trying. Mm-hmm. So my mom would be like, yeah, like your dad's not an asshole. He just doesn't know how. He's very, mm-hmm. I was like, your dad's awkward too. I was like, you know, I'm his very first girlfriend. He never had a girlfriend outside of me. And she goes, I chased him down. He goes, if I didn't chase him down, your dad would be single and alone. He goes, your dad's awkward. And I saw it for the first time in Thanksgiving. I saw him interact with like people, like outside of being a pastor. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my dad's a dweeb. And I didn't know because my brother, they're trying to hook my brother up with our, our, our friend's daughter. Mm-hmm. And the way he tries to 
teach my brother how to date is literally the worst advice ever. He goes, oh, so she knows she likes to drink, right? I'm gonna go buy you a martini shaker. So when she comes in, I want you to start mixing her a drink. I'm like, dad, that's the dumbest advice I've ever heard in my life. She's gonna walk through the door. He's just gonna, <laughs> 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 I had a sobering ball. I was like, oh, my dad's a dweeb, <laughs> you know? So all these stories start to make sense. And that kind of what, you know, really helped out my relationship with my parents was like, yeah. oh, that language and learning mm -hmm. how to talk to them and ask them questions. Right. Yeah, you really get to understand them better, right? Everything kind of, the, the context that, that you um, got I to I forget, hear. like, they were teenagers. They were kids. They had dreams. It's hard to see my parents like that until you see, like, these little, like, chinks in their armors where you can see them be vulnerable. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I forget they're people. And I think a lot of, like, for me anyways, I know a lot of uh, fans out there who are young Asian Americans, they don't look at their parents like they're human beings. Because of the relationship that's very, it's like a very, everything they say is so dogmatic. Do this, do that. Do mm -hmm. this, do that. And if I ask them, like, what do you know about your parents? They know damn near nothing. <laughs> you know? Right. And they go, how do you know about your parents? Like, because I asked. Like, and they go, I can't ask. Why? I don't know the language. I'm like, fuck, that's mm -hmm. hard. So they're mm -hmm. stuck. And that's why to me, for, for a young generation, if your parents do, if they can't speak English, to be honest with you, in my personal opinion, it's going to be very hard for you to understand them. There's cultural nuance with language. Mm -hmm. um, uh, like trying to explain to my cousin when his mom would say, you know, the Korean language is very harsh. And, you know, like, think about this. Like, you know, you flirt with the girl, you mess around, they go, like that literally, do you want to die? <laughs> you know? That's you, how you flirt. Yeah. <laughs> you do a direct translation. It's like, that sounds yeah. pretty bad, you know? But I had friends too who didn't understand that. And they're like, oh, my parents would always like threaten to kill me. I was like, what do they say? They would say like, I'm like, no, that you're taking it too literal. You know, that's how they say anything. It's just a general threat, you know? And they just couldn't understand the cultural nuance. So everything was taken so seriously. Mm -hmm. So I would talk to their parents and I'm like, mm, you're, you're, you're misinterpreting it. You know, like you're you're not understanding the the culture behind it mm -hmm. because you grew up as an American boy and they're still Korean. So when they tell you like when you mess up and you go, yeah, don't you le? like it's not as hard as you think that it is. Right. You know, they say that to their friends. <laughs> you know, which was like that's why like you know, anyways, like like language is very important. I think in my personal opinion. Yeah, you know? it really is. Yeah, yeah. I feel um, you know, for you when. When you deal with uh, a lot of like Asian clients, right? Which, mm -hmm. you know, for me, like I always suggest my Asian friends to go to you just because, because of that cultural thing. Um, when I was first trying therapy, the hardest thing was finding a therapist who kind of understood small things. A lot of it was me explaining things, mm -hmm. you know, that would take up so much of the time. And even then when I explain, it's just hard to wrap their head around it. Right, right. And they're trying their best. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel that uh, culture plays a huge part for a lot of like young Asian Americans when they come to you, like how they process and view the world? I think, yeah, very much so. Um, I think most people kind of experience the same thing if they don't go to the same um, culture therapist. Um, they feel often guestlit. Like, you know, you don't have uh, proper boundaries with your parents. You, why are you just saying yes to everything? Um, well, that's how it is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's my culture, right? And so you have to kind of, um, it's not It's not like you're, you have to educate them <laughs> in some ways. And that's, 
that gets tiring, right? Mm-hmm. So when you already know, right? Okay, yeah, you get you get me, right? Like you you understand that, you know, why moms behave that way or, you know, why I have to do this, um, stuff like that. Then it just gets that much easier. And I think um, also the familiarity, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think that's also healing too. Uh, maybe your therapist could um, pseudo, could, could be a pseudo parent now, right? And this relationship will heal you. And it's that much easier if they're kind of same culture, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I think that's the, I think a lot of young Asian women who have that specific particular particular relationship with their mom is very hard to explain, right? Um, And I think, you know, from an American perspective, it sounds, mm, I think a lot more abusive than what a lot of Asian people would perceive it as, right? Specifically with Korean people, the like the the biggest issue that I've always had is the issue of like community status and how it navigates every decision in mm-hmm. the family. Right? Mm-hmm. If we go here, oh, how many Korean people are there? Do they know us? Or do they go to church with yeah. us? Okay, then we can't. We can't. Don't drink that glass of wine. They'll think we're drunkards. <laughs> right? yeah. Or, oh, what school did you go to? And I just had this conversation with my mom the other day. We were talking. And I was telling her, like, one of the things I dislike about Korean people is like they talk mm. about too many, yeah. everybody else's business so much. And it irritates me. It's like, they don't ask you how your kids are to see how your kids are. They ask your kids to see what they do for a living. Mm-hmm. And I just like, it irritates me. And my mom was telling me like, yeah, there's certain people that, you know, in our lives, like they know what you do now. And they saw that you were in this movie, that you've done a lot of great things. You opened these businesses and they, they look at me funny. And I'm like, how you guys are like 80 years old like who cares you know and it's hard to describe this weird thing they, that is yeah they care <laughs> they and they so ask all kinds of questions they all they know all the details i stopped telling my mom how much i make because she will tell them because <laughs> she's, she's asked yeah. and they talk about it like oh my you know my son makes this much money oh my daughter makes this much money. yeah <laughs> stupid but is, yeah that's it's such a weird conversation. Like my mom will ask me how much how much I make, and I just won't tell her because it's like you try to use it as leverage. Like, <laughs> what, what is the point? And like, if you ask Mario, like how I speak to my mom, she goes, "Sometimes I don't know if you're talking to your mom or your friend, right?" But that's just how we spoke to each other, and this is why we're so close. So she was like, "So how much did you make this year?" I'm like, "Shingoko." Like, <laughs> you know? she's like, "Who are you talking to?" I was like, "It's my mom," because she's just asking this stuff, and I always tell her she's so funny. Where sometimes we'll still get into arguments where. I'll always tell her like, hey, I dislike it when you always blame your age for doing stupid things. I was like, you're not there. Like, I'm watching you all the time. Like, she'll ask me the same thing. She'll be like, how much do you make? How much do you make? I was like, I told you a million times. Don't ask me that. Ask me whatever you want. Don't ask me about how much money I make, right? She goes, why can't I? And I'm like, because it's inappropriate. And just know that if you need something, I got you. Don't ever worry about anything else. And she yeah, goes, why do they need to know? I don't know. I was like, I have a house. I have food in my stomach and I'm working. If I'm ever in trouble, just know that I'm moving in. <laughs> and I'll give you a big heads up. She goes, I just want to know. I was like, if you ask me one more time, I'm hanging up this phone. And then she's like getting mad, right? She goes, you know, she's like, I can't ask you anything. I was like, don't talk to me anymore then. I don't want to talk to you anymore. And then I was like, okay. 
Good talk. Come on, hang up. And she goes, no. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because you want to talk to me. Shut up. So like, I've, I've been able to diffuse things a lot with humor, you yeah. know. But for her, she's just always like, but she's like, oh, I forgot because I'm old. I'm like, no, 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 no. You didn't forget. <laughs> you try to sneak it in. Like, I'm, like you're not there yet. <laughs> I was like, I know when people are getting old and they're losing their wits. I was like, you, you try to sneak it in again. And you're just hoping that I say something. And I'll just tell her like a random number now. She goes, how much do you make? I was like, I made 5 million last year. She goes, really? Like, no, idiot. Like, what are you talking about? I absolutely didn't make that money. <laughs> I was like, you think if I made that type of money, I'd still be here? Like, are you out of your damn mind? But yeah, Korean culture is so hard to navigate. Like, um, um, and every time somebody will ask me about like advice about stuff, I was like, I don't know your personal family life. I don't know how things function. So asking me for this stuff is probably not the move because it would be like a, a five or six conversations over time. I was like, and I am not a therapist and I'm not getting paid to talk to you like this. So you need to go to a therapist because I can't unpack stuff like that. Because mm -hmm. that whole background information, just mm -hmm. for me going to therapy, I realized how important it is. Because yeah. all that stuff I would dismiss. It's like, oh, everybody goes through that. It's mm -hmm. like, no, not everybody goes through that, right. you know? Well, yeah, I think just talking about the family culture, family dynamic, some of them sound worse than they actually are, right? Like you're, you're explaining. It wasn't really abuse, but it, it, kind of, it sounds kind of like abusive <laughs> when your parents are saying like, chugule, mm -hmm. you want to die all the time, right? But going back to what you were talking about um, in the beginning, the toxic relationships or, you know, abusive relationship, if you had your parents behaving in that way, let's, let's say, not, not the ones that, um, the examples that you mentioned, but maybe they were very abusive to you. Mm. Maybe they told you, you're nothing, you, you'll never be anything, um, you're ugly. Like I had clients who had parents like that um, every day. Every day they hear things like that or they were um, physically abused, kicked, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, I don't know how they survived, really. I, I think it's really amazing and, you know, resilient that they're here. But if you receive that kind of treatment and that's what you knew as what love is, right, then it's really difficult for you when you are with a partner mm -hmm. who's abusing you too, right? It's not that bad because my mom used to do this too, right? Oh. Yeah, so they take it because they don't know any better, right? Um, people might misunderstand that as you don't have self-worth. Well, it's not, it's some of that too because you don't, you haven't had a chance to really even develop that in an environment like that. But it's more that it's been normalized so much that you don't, you don't think it's that bad, you know? Mm -hmm. At least they love me. Oh, yeah. Right? I've, heard, I've heard that before. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen that, um... It's weird because like I, I've seen that before with um, – it's weird how I kind of – we picked up the pieces once again. If you just go back to the family, you'll see it, right? So I know somebody, um, really good guy, and they're together now. And we've, we've, we've had one-on-one -on -one conversations about this because he'll – he does that a lot where the person that he's with right now has – she's sweet, right? But she just – she's – really fucking annoying, you know? And, uh, you know, I hear him complain about her all the time. And I know her because before they were married, we were, you know, she and I are really close friends. And, you know, he would complain to me about the stuff that she does. I was like, listen, I know that too. But 
he goes, I wish I could say the stuff that you say to her. Like, I would tell her, like, hey, you know, shut the fuck up. Like, be quiet. You're, you're, you're whining too much. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'll say these things and she'll be quiet. I was like, I could say that because I'm her friend. You're her husband. Yeah. You can't say that, right. you know? And I was like, the biggest problem that you have now is that you're talking to me about it. You're not talking to her about it. Right. Right? So, because when I see you in front of her, you're smiles. It's all love. But then mm -hmm. when you come to me, it's like, dude, she did it again, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but you didn't tell her. Mm -hmm. So how does this get any better? Right. You're not giving your partner an opportunity to fix it. And so, just like what you were saying where it was like him say, uh, where you hear that phrase, well, I've had it worse here. Met the dude's mom. I was like, oh, <laughs> she is the light version of your mom. Your mom is nuts. And it pieced together. I was like, that's why she's tolerable to you. You're like she, and I, you know, I've, I've heard this before in the past where people say like young men will tend to find people that remind them of their mother. And I was like, well, you definitely found that. But she is way better than what his mom is. Mm -hmm. So in his mind, he's probably rationalizing, oh, it's not so bad. And he said that before. And you, when you said that, I was like, oh shit, I, he's literally said that. Yeah. And when I met him, I was like, oh, it's, they're kind of like the same thing. Mm -hmm. But with, with what he decided to do with his mom, he decided to leave. And he doesn't like really talk to her. Oh, okay. Occasionally hear when he has to, family events or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I see him go over here. It's like, it kind of seems like a repetitive cycle where mm -hmm. maybe the certain things that he sees in her, I don't know, comforting because it's what he grew up around with. But I, I always just found it weird. It's like, you can't talk to me about this because I can't do anything for you. Aside from maybe blow off some steam. Right. But if you're scared to confront her about it, then That's how does it That's probably another better? pattern that he had with his mom too. He never was able to talk about those things with her. So he just doesn't know how to. He just walk, walks in a shell and try to please her, you know, by not saying anything. Um, yeah. So when you when you are in a relationship like that, I think those are the things makes it so hard for you to clear, uh, see clearly, right? Because it's been normalized, you know, you experience that kind of relationship before. Um, because we usually repeat a few times, <laughs> a mm -hmm. few times until you realize like, oh, you know what? I'm playing a part in here, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm, I, I realized my friend pointed out that I'm the one who's not saying anything about it. So I have to change. So once you realize that, once you do the work on yourself, then you'll be able to choose a better partner too, right? Mm -hmm. But if you don't work on yourself, you don't realize that or you don't think that's an issue, then you're going to repeat the same pattern, right? Because he would say stuff um, that did kind of like sit well with me was, because I asked him, how come you're not, and he would say things, well, you know, she has long days at work. I don't want to stress her out. But in my mind, I'm like, so why is it okay for you to be stressed out then, you know? Like, what's the, what's the trade-off here? Is it you always concerned about how she feels and how her well-being is? Then who's checking in on you? Can't be me. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not your you know your wife or your partner. So it's right. how does that work? You know. Yeah. That yeah, that's I think one of the signs that your relationship is not healthy. You are not able to talk about problems. Um, you feel like your needs has to be minimized. Um, whatever that they think is important, or everything is about them, right? Um, that's just how I op operate because this dynamic is that way, right? Um, yeah, that's unfortunate, but it's com more common than we think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's the, the biggest difference because, you know, for, for a long time on, you know, 
on podcast form or whether it was on my videos, I would talk about situations or, you know, recognizing things and they go, well, how do I fix this? Like, that's not my job. Like, I don't, I don't know how to fix it. I could, I could recognize things over time because of personal experiences, but if somebody goes like, well, what's the next move? Don't ask me. <laughs> like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not in that situation. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. My lovely genius brain farts. This podcast is brought to you by Fume. Ever tried to break a bad habit and felt like you're climbing Everest and flip-flops? Yeah, we've been there too, but here's a breath of fresh air. Fume, it's not about giving up. It's about switching up, baby. Fume takes your habit and simply makes it better, healthier, and a whole lot more enjoyable. What is Fume, you ask? Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device that does just that. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy that makes replacing your bad habit easy. I keep one in my car just because I'm a fidgety guy. And guess what? I'd be puffing on that delicious herbal tea vapor, my friends. Nothing bad for you in there. And definitely, definitely fun to use. My friends, start the year off right with the good habit by going to tryfume.com slash genius and getting the journey pack today. Fume is giving the listeners of the show 10% off when they use my code genius to help make starting the good habit that much easier. Start the good habit at tryfume.com slash genius to save 10% off the journey pack today. But, yeah. you know, like for him, because he said that too, he goes, oh, you recognize these things. It's like, what should I do? I was like, you're asking the wrong person. I don't know what you should do. I'm just noticing things and I'm not sure if I'm right or not. Nothing I say is concrete. <laughs> you know, I'm just telling you from what I've seen in other people, my life experiences and me knowing this person for 15 years. Mm -hmm. That's all that I know. So I, I think the the solution part is where people kind of get stuck on, right? Which is why, once again, I like therapy because there's tools. Mm -hmm. it, it, it sucks when you could see a problem and then you don't know how to deal with it at all. Yeah, It's very, it's such a defeating, def, like you just feel defeated because you see the situation, you know everything that's bad and they, mm -hmm. somebody just goes, fix it. How? Like, I don't know how. If yeah. we could just fix it, we would fix it in an instant. Yeah. But being able to, you know, have a therapist there to give you suggestions, to give you these tools to, you know, like one, one of the things I just learned was like, like personal responsibility to a certain extent, right? Not victim blaming per se, because right. I think um, I, a lot of people, I think, kind of confuse that, right? Where right. if they take personal responsibility, it's like, well, mm -hmm. 
I'm the victim. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think those are two different things, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Um, and I think that whether it's because of social media or, or whatever happened in the last like digital age in the last like five or 10 years, sometimes personal responsibility sounds like you're victim blaming a lot. Mm-hmm. But for me, personal responsibility gives me power. Mm-hmm. It allows me to put myself in a position to, to become better. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I'm wrong or completely wrong and stuff, mm-hmm. but it helps me assess things. And I, mm-hmm. maybe it's because of my anxiety, but I like that control part where I go, okay, now that I've been in this bad relationship or this person did something to me, that's all on them. But now I'm going to be smarter about how I assess the situation. Okay. How did I even get here? Right? <laughs> yes, like, yeah. How did I choose this type of partner? When we have individual clients, um, we generally get their um, kind of life history, but also relational history. And one of the questions we ask is like, okay, so you told me you had this boyfriend, this boyfriend, this friend, this girlfriend. Do you see any common denominator? (laughs) Do you see any pattern? They see it. They're like, yeah, I keep choosing the same person. What's wrong with me? Yeah, that's another thing we see a lot, right? Where... I'm, not the, I'm like, I'm a good friend, but sometimes when I say things, it's really terrible. So a friend of mine who, um, you know, over pandemic got divorced and uh, she introduced me to her new boyfriend. Mm. And then let's say this guy's name is Jim, mm-hmm. right? Her, her previous husband's name is Jim. And then she got so mad at me. And then because we had dinner with her new boyfriend and I looked at her, I was like, so you are together with the same person just in a different face, huh? <laughs> she was like, what? what you? They're so different. I'm like, no, they're not. They're the same person. They even dress the same. They talk the same. Wow. I wish I had a friend like you. Let's <laughs> <laughs> like, call you out. That's so important. Well, because they, they, <laughs> she literally just split up with this. Well, this was like a couple years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And, and she was going off a list of everything she disliked about her previous husband. Mm-hmm. This person wasn't in this specific job that made an X amount of money because I feel like I grew up really poor, so financial stability is important for me. All this other stuff, and I was like, this guy's the same version of the last guy mm-hmm. that you were with. It was right. different. I was like, explain to me how they're different. Like, well, he makes me feel loved and important. I was like, so did he when you guys first went out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you, same shit. And then, I hate to say I told you, if you're listening to this, you know I fucking told you this, but she, uh, <laughs> they broke up. And she was devastated. I was like, this is the same thing. Mm. And I just don't understand. Like, how did you not see this? Like, when I saw him, I'm like, he even looks like him. Wow. <laughs> you know, it made me feel weird. Mm. I was talking to the guy too. And by the way, this guy that she was with, he wasn't a bad person. Like, mm-hmm. he was actually a really, in my personal opinion, and we've, we, we, you know, she and I were close. So we had one-on-one talks too. Mm-hmm. And I felt in their relationship that them splitting up wasn't particularly anybody's fault. But I did tell her, I don't know if I should have said this, was what she expected out of him was not something that he could give. Mm-hmm. And it was very evident of that in the beginning because as a friend group, we all knew this about him. Mm-hmm. So, for example, she was looking for somebody who was wanting to take risk and a go-getter. I'm like, this motherfucker was never like that. What were you? We all know this. We've known him for years. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, he can't provide that. I'm like... I, and I told her, like, to be honest with you, I felt bad for him. And she goes, why? I'm like, because he thought that everything was okay because he was being himself 100%. Mm-hmm. I was like, in all honesty, you keep saying that he changed. He's the same. You uh-huh. changed. Uh-huh. What you wanted out of your partner wasn't what you wanted 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And now that you're expecting him to be this person, it's messing him up because he's like, I thought we're happy. I thought everything was good. And 
now you're putting this pressure on him to be this go-getter, make this X amount of salary because of this, this, and that. But you did it to him out of nowhere. Mm. And you went on this trip with your girlfriend or whatever. And I'm not saying that they yapped into your ear to make you feel a certain way, but something changed. There was a shift that happened. Mm. And I, I felt bad for him. And now he doesn't even talk to me. He doesn't talk to any of our friends anymore. Because mm. um, he was already kind of closed off as it was. And I, you know, and now too for her, I was just telling him, like, look, you, you got to know what you want. Like, it, it sucks for him. Yeah. I felt it sucked for him anyways, too, because I think he felt betrayed where he thought that he was the best husband he could be. Mm-hmm. And I thought so, too. Mm-hmm. And But when she was describing the things that makes her attracted to a man, I was like, that ain't your husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, he's never been that way. We've known him for 10 years or whatever. And I, I just, it's like I said, this whole break of this three-year pandemic, it really, yeah. it did a number on people. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've seen it happen before my eyes. I'm watching everybody just explode around me, you yeah. know. Maybe she didn't quite know those qualities that she's looking for now were that much important before. Um, or maybe, yeah, those are the new things that kind of she learned too, right? But um, I forgot what I was going to say about that. How would how would like like in, you know in those situations right? Um, oh yeah, I was gonna say that yeah. That's why I think it's so important to um, do the work on yourself, so you know you know what you want, you know what's important to you, and you know why you're keep choosing the same people, keep choosing the same toxic or you know abusive relationship, right? If you heal yourself, you're going to make the different decisions. Do Do you feel that a lot of um, once again I'm basing this off of you know, a lot of social, because I do social media for work, but I'll read comments um, with a lot of young women who, there's this weird argument that's happening online where there are women who are championing this idea of saying like, listen, I feel like women are are so picky with, with what they want out of their partner now, it's almost impossible to find this perfect man. And there's the other side saying like, oh, do you want women to just not have a partner that they feel like they deserve? So one one side of like the, the the argument online is there are women right now who just are willing to take anything because they're desperate, mm. and the other side is like no, um, I just know what I want, and I want x these things are, are what's required to, to be to be very happy, um, and we've seen this like a lot of numbers of like um, you know people who don't want to have kids anymore, who people who don't want to be in monogamous relationships more, whether it's like a cultural shift that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have um, have you or have you spoken to a lot of like women who uh, are kind of in this weird limbo of not finding like wanting to be in a relationship but not finding this perfect man? Because I know a couple of women in my life that are like that, and it's like I don't I don't know what to say. It's like I don't like what do you want? <laughs> you know. I feel like it's like I don't know what the what the problem or what the holdup is nowadays yeah. with that. Well, yeah, I I do think that there are a lot of young women who are in that space, um, especially in LA. I think it's that much more difficult to find a suitor who wants to commit. You know, like here you get actresses every single day, mm-hmm. new actresses coming in. You know, um, I think people have that fear, like. Am I settling too soon? You know, maybe something better will come along. Um, so there are a lot of lifetime bachelors, I call them. Um, not bad. It's their lifestyle. They, they choose. It's okay. But um, that means, you know, for these women, 
your pool gets smaller and smaller, right? The more of these men who are wanting something different, right? They're just maybe wanting to have fun, um, not have serious relationships right now until they're 50. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and some of it, I think, is um, successful women, too, have a lot of difficulty finding their partners because they feel like they're going to um, threaten their partner, maybe, if they make more money or if they're more successful. And I think some guys, some guys, I think, are cool with it. And some guys actually really don't like that. I love it. <laughs> I, I pray. Yeah. I pray one day I could just be a stay-at-home dad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've definitely seen that too where it's, it's like a, I don't know, like a pride thing, right? Where like, oh, well, she makes more money than me. I feel weird. I'm like, what the hell? Please, please make more money than me. Please, I, I beg you. <laughs> you yeah. know? I'm waiting for it. But yeah, like, like, I feel like ego makes people very fragile. Um, and wanting the best for your partner sometimes mm -hmm. doesn't happen in place of like your ego, right? Where it's just mm -hmm. like, oh, well, I don't want you to make more money or be more successful because I'll, I'll be looked as a guy who's like the weak person. Yeah, because I'll feel bad if I end up with you because I'm not as successful as you are or might be. And another thing I see is also the age thing because um, guys, let's say, who are in 30s want to date <laughs> girls in 20s. Mm -hmm. In 40, they're in 30s, right? So the women who are actually in the same age range who do they date now? <laughs> right? Mm, they don't want to date saying. someone 50. They don't want they they actually want to date their age group, but they can't. Because mm. they're not I do wanted. See, I do I, I do see people. that a lot. You know, there's like this weird conversation of people saying that older women are really jaded and which I don't really I, I kind of understand what they're saying, but I don't see it like that. I say more anybody else who has lived more life, they kind of figure out what they want. And if it's not what they want or not to say not want, need. Mm -hmm. And if the, the needs aren't met, why waste our time? Because, like, you know, we become more cognizant of how how, sh how fast time goes. So for me, I've never liked younger women because their uncertainty made my anxiety flare up. <laughs> yeah. You know, they just don't know what the fuck they want. It's like, I don't know what I want. If you don't know what you want, how the fuck is it going to work? You know, I hated it. I hated it. So, like, when I, I remember um, – we would have these like college shows, right? And so when these college shows, as a young person, they're around my age, it's like two years, three years apart, it's all the same, it's fine. As I started getting older, they just they just started becoming uglier and uglier to me, <laughs> you know? Because it, it became like, oh, I'm just giving you advice as a young person and you not knowing what you want is sexually just disgusting to me. <laughs> like it bothers me, mm -hmm. you know? Because now it's like, it almost feels like I'm a, I'm a predator. Where oh, I give them okay. comfort because they can look at, <laughs> look to me for advice, and then yeah. they feel this this comfort, you know, and they get really just um, relaxed around me, and that makes them want to be around me, and they want to hook up or whatever. But I'm like, this feels weird. Like this feels really odd for me, you know. I think a lot of guys really like that. I dislike that so much <laughs> because I'm not here to be your damn babysitter. Mm -hmm. Like you need to match up to me, right? So. Like, I remember this one time I was at this college and then the college show was over and this guy came up to me and I was like, yo, these girls think you're, you know, they want to hang out with you. They're big fans. Like they want to take you to a club and, you know, drink. And I'm like, I'm good. And like, why? I was like, cause I'm, well, at the time I was like, I'm 27. They're 20. We have nothing in common. There's nothing that we could talk about that would interest me. And so I, I was like, this is what you're going to do. I'm going to go on and say hi. I want you guys to drop me off at this bar cause I'm going to hang out with adults. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was just way more fun. Yeah. It's not to say that they're not attractive, but to me, for what I need, it's like I need good conversation. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to relate to you somehow. And I don't want this conversation to be me giving you advice and then you looking at me like, oh my God, he knows so much. I mean, you think I know so much because I'm literally seven, eight years older than you, right? When you become my age, you'll know the same amount of shit as I will. So it, I've never, I understand, but I don't, I, I've never been. Personally, you haven't. I just don't like that it, yeah. preference. It just, it just always, I don't like it. <laughs> it's not a gut, it's not a fun time. Yeah. You know, um, Mary and I, when we were in Korea, we had this moment where we realized that we're older because we were, I was talking to her. It was, it was me and like, like, Kunimo, Takanimo, everybody. And Imo is like aunts, like the older sisters. And so we were hanging out and they were telling us stories about Mariel's grandma, who she's really, really close to. Mm. And talking about these stories, cracking up, having the time of our lives. And then she has a niece who's like 21, mm -hmm. bored out of her fucking mind. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm old because I like this. Yeah. This is the conversation that I want to have. Mm. And what the younger niece wanted to talk about was boring the fuck out of me. I was like, hey, be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> you know nothing, you know? So I, I, this is, that was that shift for me where I'm like, oh, I'm at that age where life experience, um, confidence, and knowing who you are, keeping up a conversation is mm -hmm. something I really, really appreciate. Yeah. Um, when a lot of people talk about or they ask, don't you wish that you were younger? I say no. Because my youth was great in terms mm -hmm. of me being able to experiment and try more things. Mm -hmm. But the uncertainty and not knowing who I am is something I never want back. Because right, right. time helped me build who I am now. Mm -hmm. The reason why I could speak about these experiences is because of time. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have that, I would just be this person who is very – and I see people my age. By the way, this doesn't mean like you, when you reach the age of 34 or whatever, like you'll be at – you'll be here too. Because I know people my age who still feel that way. Mm -hmm. But I put so much time and effort and just s either sitting in a room, talking to people, just figure out my thoughts. To think about going back to that person scares the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't do it. I like, I like, I'm not saying mature, a lot of my conversations are stupid, <laughs> you know. But I like being around people who either are my, or even older sometimes. Mm -hmm. Because the stuff that they could offer in a conversation and just advice-wise feels really good. Right. You know. Yeah, I think some women maybe who are single are going through similar things as you. Like they don't want to date twenty year old when they're when you're in thirties, right? Mm -hmm. And then they, they can't date thirties or forties. Um, maybe they don't want to date you, right? So maybe they end up, um, you know, staying true to their maybe what they want in a partner. And so maybe it's not all a bad thing, right? Um, they they're choosing to be single rather than being in an abusive relationship or yeah. The, in a relationship they're not happy in. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I think being single too isn't bad either sometimes. Like it's great to be by yourself where you get to figure your stuff out and then see what you like or dislike. Um, the online dating thing has been rough for a lot of my friends because like people do a great job of writing a great profile. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Online and, dating is a beast. Yeah. I um, a, uh, One of our friends too, she was talking about she had a question herself mm -hmm. about whether she felt she was very superficial or not. And I was telling her, no, I don't think you're superficial. Mm -hmm. I think you're a young woman who was in her low 30s and you've had bad relationships and you've had good ones. And now you know what you like. Mm -hmm. So she felt superficial because <laughs> she went on a blind date. And I personally don't like blind dates mm -hmm. because I never take out the factor that I do need the person to be 
physically attractive to me, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's not a bad thing to say that. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a perfectly fine preference. Everybody's different. Yeah. Um, and then she met this guy and then she was like, I feel so bad. I was like, why? I was like, because I just thought, didn't think he was cute at all. Mm. And she goes, am I superficial? Is something wrong with me? And I'm like, no. Like you have no obligation to find somebody physically attractive. I don't understand, <laughs> you know. But because she's been single for a few years now, she's like, it's like she's questioning herself now. Is there something yeah, wrong? Yeah, am I being too picky now? Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's hard for me because I'm not a woman, so I don't know. Like, it's like it's hard to say. But mm-hmm. if you look at somebody once and you go, "This is not for me," I mean, that kind of means that you know what you want. And I was like, "Well, let me ask you." And I asked her this: "How about this? How was the conversation?" He doesn't talk at all. I was like, "Okay, then what's the problem?" <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> was working yeah you know and i kind of wanted to call up her her friend who like set her up on the blind date and be like what the hell were you thinking like (laughs) why would you do this to her (laughs) like what what the world is going on but like yeah being like a i feel uh, a young woman now is just it's the navigation is so different and i've seen this a lot with um i see these memes where it, it, it they expect women to do everything now where it's like you can be the woman that has the six-figure job that knows how to cook, that can be a family woman. You can do it all. I was like, or you don't have to. Right. Or, or you could just be a normal person and just choose one. Yeah. You know, it's okay to maybe be. Maybe you don't want to. Maybe you don't want to. <laughs> and they feel like this pressure where I have to, like, to, the, in order to be a badass bitch, I have to do everything. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> all right? You, if you are a stay-at-home a mom and you're a caregiver and you do that fucking well, that's okay. You don't have to be the six-figure job person. Like, well, I this other girl does. Does she really? Do you know her? Right? Because I don't think you do. Because they see the, the the Instagram whatever memes or whatever. I was like, mm-hmm. well, I'll put it to you like this. The person that you think that's this perfect stay-at-home mom, well, guess what? They're an influencer. They post a picture of their fat ass. They get a $30,000 check and they stay at home. So yeah, they're working and they're also a stay-at-home mom, but they're not working a nine to five where they're waking up at 9 a.m., going to work at five and coming back home, not seeing their kids. Mm-hmm. Your lives are different. Right. And I think that pressure too kind of fucks up with women a lot where they're like, well, I need to have a kid now immediately. And like, well, have you even given yourself the space and time to think about what you want? Mm-hmm. Like this, this do is- Do you actually want a baby? Yeah, do you want a kid? <laughs> yeah. Right? And if you do want a kid, then I think there's very specific steps for it. Like, for me, I, I want kids, mm-hmm. you know, and I've expressed that to my wife before we got before we got married when we dated. And mm-hmm. I, I was very straightforward. I was like, there's a few things in my life that are very important. I said, family is very important. Culture is very important. And also, I do want to have children. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to have kids, you have to let me know now because I don't want to invest my time into this knowing that this is not the end result. I think we're going to get married. But if you just don't want kids at all, then there's no point. Right. You know, not saying now immediately, but eventually I do. And so, you know, we we did have a rough patch where she was like second guessing wanting to have kids. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a sobering conversation for her where I was, I was upset, you know, because at that point we had been together like five years. And I told her, I was like, listen, I told you five years ago, like this is a deal breaker for me. Mm-hmm. So if I have to leave... I just know it's not because I don't love you. It's because I need this, mm. right? This is something that if I don't have a child, I feel like whether, and I told her too, I don't need you to have the kid. Let's say you don't, you're scared. Adoption, so many other avenues, mm. but I, this is a chapter of my life that I need. And I, I don't think she understood at the time anyways, how important it was to me. Mm. It wasn't just something I threw in. It was something that 
I need in my life. Um, but not everybody's going to be like that, right? Some people don't need to have kids, and that's perfectly fine. You just got to figure out your own path, you know? Yeah. Well, um, yeah, we're almost two hours in. <laughs> that, wow. Yeah. That went, that flew by from Philip. It was my therapy <laughs> session. But <laughs> um, if you guys want to contact Liz, I'm going to have her contact, obviously, in the video, in uh, in the podcast as well, in the links. Um, hit her up. I send everybody I know to her. It, you know, and ev not everybody's going to be a perfect match, but I do. So Liz is great. <laughs> All right. You're so kind. Yeah. Um, I, I feel that if you guys haven't tried therapy or you feel like you're stuck in a place where you haven't really worked on your mental health, give it a try. You have nothing to lose. All right. Just give it a try. It may not fit. may not be the right fit for you. But just like anything else, unless you try, you're not going to really know. So hit up Liz. I'll have her contact. I'll have her email. You could always email her, ask, ask questions, and then maybe have a session to see if it fits. Uh, I'm always going to be a proponent, proponent for mental health because it's helped me out a lot. If y'all think I'm nuts or an asshole now, you should have seen how I was before therapy. So this is the improved version. <laughs> um, Genius Brain every Sunday is at 12 p.m. Um, plug, in, plug in where they can find you. Um, Couples Healing Center. Couples Healing Center. Um, what's your email? That they can come. Liz we therapy at gmail.com. Awesome. Genius Brain every Sunday is at 12 p.m. We'll see y'all next time. Peace. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.